Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. And Johnny, we are going to be talking Manhattan today, and we got a good one. We got a good one. We got Ian Slater, founder of Trove over at Compass. This guy does a ton of deals. Um, about 10, 11 years in the industry, right? 2013, Ian? Yeah, September 2013. 10 it's not a ton. It's not a ton. You know what I'm saying? You're you're not young, but you're not 30 years in the industry. And what you've accomplished is quite incredible. And I want to tap your brain right now and ask you a whole bunch of questions. So Ian, I'm going to get right into it. Forgive me if I dive right in. But the first question I have for you is what is going on in today's markets? Where are we now? How is 2023? And uh, where do we go from here? That is the billion trillion dollar question yeah a lot of people said 2023 was like their worst year ever of real estate i always say i'm i'm sort of a confusing person to ask because like i've as you said i've been in the business for 10 years so a lot of brokers say year five ish is like when they actually start doing any business and by the time they get to 10 is when they start doing real business so 2023 was actually for my team it was our best year ever but that could also just be like a function of my time in the business and not necessarily a function of the market i would say it was a very tough time to get certain types of deals done and it was an easier time to get other types of deals done specifically like bigger deals tended to be easier or sort of like the middle of the market tended to be really tough although once we kind of rounded into december the rates dropped a bit although not like precipitously, there's an expectation in the market that the rates are going to drop more. The stock market went up a lot. And as you round into 2024, you get kind of like the new year exuberance. You get bonuses coming out, although bonuses are bad. They still come out. So people kind of like know what they're getting. And the inventory is still really, really low. And generally among our buyer pool, like it's thought to be pretty bad. So we kind of saw it go like this and jump a lot. I'm now getting a ton of activity at a lot of listings. We have a few bidding wars. I kind of feel like some of our listings are actually underpriced. I'm having difficulty pricing things and I have more buyers. I would say I have more buyers this year that have reached out to me in the past like three weeks to buy something than I've ever had in, in early 2024. So we feel super busy and very positive for 2024. I don't think it's going to be like, I think you and I sort of disagree a little bit on this, but like, I don't think it's going to be like as crazy as 2013, 14, 15, but I do feel like we will see a bit of like a crazy bump. I think you're going to see if you didn't buy in the past year and a half, you're probably going to be paying a higher price than you feel you should. I'm on your side. I think that the, the spring market may be a lot busier than people expect, given what we've seen over the last 20 months. And I, and I think you touched on it. A lot of that has to do with just the, the the lack of supply out there in general. I think we're looking at the lowest supply in terms of active listings that we've seen. Noah, since when it goes back to like 2017, 28, it's been, it's been quite a while we're at this level. So we haven't, we haven't seen these numbers in, in some time. And I'm curious, you know, as you look at it right now, obviously in order for this market to really sort of get those gears rolling again, we're going to need some supply, but I'm wondering, you know, why are so hesitant sellers so hesitant to start putting some supply on these days? Lots of reasons. There's like the main obvious reason that everybody writes about where interest rates are too high and they're locked into low rates, but they so they don't want to go and be buyers and pay a higher rate. That's like only a really small piece of it, in my opinion. And that's like what everyone only talks about. I think if you're at the top of the market, something that's not written or talked about that much is that these the very, very wealthy in New York and the world, we have like a wealth gap problem. So <clears throat> people have tons of money and they made so much more money in the past couple of years. Yes, maybe it went down a little bit in 2023, but like not 
in any meaningful way. So I have so many clients that I, I get inbound calls for, like, I want to buy that person's apartment, or do you have anything, five, six bedrooms? Do you have anything, you know? And I call them, I say, do you want to sell? And they say, well, I have nowhere to go. So like, you kind of reach the ceiling where it's like, there's no optionality of anything to size up to. They don't need to sell, they would sell. And then sometimes what I'm seeing is even if they do move, they keep the other thing. So like, they actually just amass houses. And it's like taking housing stock out of that piece of the market. Developers, because I think it's difficult to finance really big apartments. It's like it's like thought of as more risky. Don't build a ton of huge apartments. Like we don't just we don't get these like massive apartments delivered to market very often. Usually there's a couple in a building and then they go really quickly. So there's just like a sheer lack of supply and lack of building at that level. I also think that there's a lot of sellers out there that don't want that don't want like the publicity and don't want the days on market because they realize that like the way that the market works now is that the longer you're on the market, the more people treat you as a perishable good, the more they're going to beat you down, the less they're going to come, the more they're going to negotiate. So people that would sell don't want to put anything on the market. We'll talk about that in a little bit, which means that if you're thinking of selling and you're just like scrolling on Compass or scrolling on StreetEasy, you don't see anywhere for you to go. So you're like, well, it's not a very exciting thing. Or what you really have to do is like call a broker and, and and like dig up inventory to find yourself somewhere to go. So it's like all these different factors that are making it really difficult to find inventory and making sellers hesitant. I do kind of see it like lightening up a bit in the spring. And I think more and more people are getting more comfortable with putting things on the market. I personally have a bunch of apartments in 2021 that we consider rent selling or or renting that we ended up renting that like the tenants are now going to move out and they're going to come to market. There's new development that's finally finally good, exciting new development is coming to market for what I would call the first time since 2013, 14, like really, really special buildings with a good amount of units. And with the rates dropping, people should feel more comfortable getting out of their their, you know, bottom of the barrel mortgages and like at least accepting something in the high fours, low fives. That rent selling is an interesting phenomenon. We didn't really talk about that much, right? Because the peak of the rental market was about probably eight months ago, 10 months ago, a year ago, and it, and it did have a good run, did have a good run there. And I think a lot of sellers tapped that out to use a poker phrase. They tapped that out and said, you know, I don't want to deal with it. I'm not getting my price. Let's go over here for a year or two. And yeah. now they might come back around. Um, interesting to think about that. What about, before I go to my next question here, um, are sellers, how do they feel about, you know, the desire to 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 bu sell, buy something, but then they got to renovate it? Like, is there, is that a force still against kind of making that decision? Absolutely a force against. If you go back to the pandemic, the obvious answer there was that there were supply chain issues and nobody wanted to renovate because the cost of renovating was so high. Now what I'm finding is actually the costs have come down. Inflation is like very much in control. Um, the problem is really with the DOB and landmarks and timing. And it's really, really hard if, if there's if it's anything of magnitude and anything that requires landmarks approval or DOB approval. Many renovations don't, but if they do, like it can take you three, four years to renovate a townhouse. And at that point, I mean, I have no idea what my life's going to look like in four years. You have no idea what your life's going to look like in four years. Like it's really hard to make a plan for that. A lot of people shy away from that and they're looking for like really done product. 
we actually yeah. have like a couple deals that we've done where a buyer pays a real serious premium to be into something that's like furnished and done. It's hard to get that seller to move because they just finished and they just went through their own crazy process. But most people want something that's turnkey. It's also something I tell everyone, like it's the biggest pocket of value in the city is buying something that needs a gut renovation. I, I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I bought man, that needs I just want to jump in. I, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And this is one of the interesting things we've seen. And we've put some of these charts out that that renovation premium is, it, it's fallen a little bit in the last couple of years, but it's still, it's a much wider spread between renovated and unrenovated than it's been for the last 10 years, which, you know, if you're following the data, the mind goes to exactly where you go, which is what's the value? Well, the value is that unrenovated place, which the costs are lower. The timelines are a little bit more. They're not as extravagant or ex exaggerated as they used to be. They're a little bit more cut and dry now, but still, I mean, it is a process. So you're absolutely right. I mean, that yeah. value is there. It's also something that, by the way, most people are just like don't understand and are afraid of and hear horror stories. And when when like a type A New Yorker doesn't understand something, they're just going to shy away from it rather than try to understand <laughs> it. I renovated my my full apartment for like $200 a square foot, like you can do it and you can do it really nicely. You just have to not do crazy custom stuff from Italy and not like spend a million dollars on all the switches and everything and not go crazy with moving gas lines and like yeah. get a really good apartment out of it. And you'll also get well under the value of everybody else. And like, yeah. especially like new condos and everything like that. Right. There's a huge premium for that. You don't need gold doorknobs. I mean, you don't, you don't need to do all, I mean, it's nice. It's nice. Speak for honest, yourself, nice. Noah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I think we're past peak penalty for for this type of thing. And you're bringing up this arbitrage opportunity uh, where the market hasn't really awoken to it, but we're starting to see the 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 data come in. And it's you know, and look at inflationary stuff also. A lot of the materials prices that were really high a year and a half ago, they've come down. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's just labor. It's it's labor, but it's also the DOB. Yeah. And the DOB. Right. And nobody wants to deal with that kind of stuff. And I imagine this is also affecting the buy side. I imagine this is also affecting the buy side because they may look at right. They want a turnkey product. They don't want to deal with it, which brings me to the question. Um, why do buyers not want to buy something that is actively on the market? This has become like one of the biggest things in our lives is the whole concept of off market. There used to be postcards or whatever, index cards. This is before I was in the business of how people got the information of what was on the market. And then there's the RLS. Everyone has their systems. Then there's Street Easy. And now Street Easy, you know, for better or for worse, like it is kind of the market. It's what people think of when they think of the market. If something's on the market, it's on Street Easy. There are so many other like markets, right? There's like Instagram, there's email, there's word of mouth, there's phone calls. There's like so many things that are not necessarily under like Rebney control, but there's so many different ways that you can market an apartment. There's a couple reasons we get so much like push to find things off market. One is everything on the market doesn't feel necessarily like special to a lot of buyers. They want to feel like the velvet rope is being pulled aside to them for them Two, the once something is on the market and start and like is seen by everybody else the longer it's on the market the more that they feel like they can negotiate as we just discussed they everyone kind of had this like perception of a falling market so they didn't want to be the sucker to like buy it until it was not until it was not on the market long enough so they just like sit and track it and track it and track it they didn't want to be like the sucker to buy it as it was falling there needs to be the perception that the market is climbing for people to buy in and grab things as they hit the market, particularly if they're not like 
wildly special. The other thing is that I think a lot of things that come to the market, people feel that they're just mispriced, which many, many times the buyer pool is correct. Like the buyer pool and the seller pool are always on two different pages with pricing. I found that a lot of things, even like new developments, everything coming to market, they tended to have price drop drops. I mean, you guys know the data better than anybody. Like there was the most price drops ever, right? So the moment something comes to market, people are just kind of like waiting around and waiting for it to, to come down. All of those are like littler factors, but I, I honestly feel like it's mostly a psychological issue where it's like they want to see the things that no one else is seeing. You see it in every single luxury market, right? You go to an art fair and like you go into an art booth and there's another art booth where you have to be a member of the gallery. You have to be known by the gallery to be able to access that room. Like you want to buy a Birkin bag at Hermes, you have to be invited into the back. Like you want a black card, you have to be invited into that program. Like there's all these programs where it's just like creating echelons of of access for the best property in the city very frequently like it's only available to the to the very few it's word of mouth it's quiet and it actually in many cases if it's like really beautiful unique interesting apartments or houses it can like it usually captures a degree of a premium if it's held off so the sellers don't mind it either ian you've got so much there it's 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 really really interesting but i want to i want to Pause on the data for a second because I, I, you are one of the masters at actually using data to to generate these conversations and get through to buyers. But I want to talk about that psychological perspective because I think that that's something that you can either see the market like this or you you don't. And I think you see it. And I'm curious. You sell so much on the luxury end, and you have this sort of gatekeeper vibe. Like you, you are the one that's handling these listings. How do you on these listings? How do you sort of get that? Hey, I'm letting you pass this velvet rope for the buyers that are coming in to see your your listings. Well, the best thing to do and the optimal thing to do is to put onto the market, right? Like that's it's it is normally by any measure, the more open you can be with a listing, it, like the more the more you're going to reach the actual value of the property. But it's not a stock, right? You don't have like hundreds of thousands of inbound data points creating the value of it. It's it's in a certain echelon it's only like a handful of people there's so many intangibles that can affect the value of it down to like their mood and the weather and like all the stuff right so it's it's never like gatekeeping like that i don't operate like that it's more like it's it's almost always driven by the seller wanting privacy and if a seller wants privacy it's something that we obviously work for them and we have to respect i try if somebody wants us to market in that way to go out to as many people as i possibly can you want to make sure that the people you're going out to are are qualified and, you know, like the right type of buyer for the property. And you're essentially like a matchmaker. It's sort of like a fun part of it. It's like, I actually just, I enjoy that side of the business a lot more because it's like, you're actually feel, you feel very like important as a broker. Right? Like it's actually your job to like find the person and sell it rather than just listing it online. Yeah. It seems very challenging. It's not really like, it's not a choice per se. But that's exactly, you know, we have these conversations with, you know, legendary commercial broker, Bob Knackle. It's the same thing. I mean, he is of this exact same mindset, totally different space, but exact same mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting when you um, compare it that way. Um, Ian, there's a lot of confusion out there. And we were talking about the sellers in this off-market capacity. Uh, How do you get buyers off the fence in such a, um, I, I mean... In, in such a long duration, challenging market, I know you had a wonderful year, but the data shows it's been a challenging market um, yeah. in a broad sense. So how do you get buyers off the fence? 
me personally. Half of my business is with buyers and half of it is with sellers. I came into this business like I didn't even know what real estate brokerage was. Like, honestly, I fell totally ass backwards into it. And I realized that so many brokers are just incentivized, whether they say it out loud or even realize it, just incentivized by the sale, right? So like the buyer pool is looking to you for advisory and for information and frankly for data. So I use you guys and I put out a weekly data set every single week tracking the market. And I'm very, very, very like keen on analysis of everything. And I put out a lot of thought around the market and I'm extraordinarily blunt about the state of the market and and what I think are good apartments and good value apartments and bad value apartments. And sometimes maybe even to a fault, other brokers tell me I'm like too open about it. I think what that's done is is like craft me in a lot of people's minds as not, not like a thought leader, but at least trustworthy right to the buyer pool so they look at me and they're like okay when ian actually believes something i understand he's not necessarily he's not doing it for his own gain he's not doing it like he's actually doing it because he believes that that's good value and he's only bringing me things that are actually going to be good value and you know couple that with the fact that i invest in real estate on my own and all this stuff like i i've created a a whatever an aura around myself that people trust me when I tell them to do what I think they should do and nor like normally I'm right many a couple times I've been wrong but normally I'm right and now I have this perspective that 11 years of perspective to actually see a couple different markets and see my predictions kind of like pan out there are so many buyers that are so nervous that are like you know can't value things don't feel like the right products out there for them don't feel like they can trust anybody feel like their broker is misrepresenting them that if you actually just take what they want and like distill it into what their goals are once they're kind of like on the precipice of the line you just have to have them trust you you have to like be on their side and not the other not the other side's side i love the the trust part because because listen we tell a lot of agents um that you have to be this advisor like role yeah. Um, and again, how do you get buyers off the fence? It's like, well, if you can get them to trust you, and that takes time, through the use of information that makes their decisions easier, we call it data, right? Data. You will be in a higher position of trust. Yeah. So that when they make that tough decision, they listen to you and they get off that fence. And that's exactly how you do it. And it takes time. I think there's a lot of instant gratification that um agents look at they want to see results immediately what i like what i like about what ian's saying is he's not advocating it for one position or another he's not advocating for you to buy he's not advocating for you to sell he's saying hey listen this is the market's doing right now i'm not sure whatever your position is whether you're a buyer or your possible buyer your possible seller here's sort of the data set that i'm looking at which if I'm looking through your eyes, here's how I would view it. And and you're exactly right. That sort of sets that reputation as a as a sort of a neutral trusted advisor, which, you know, people come to you for advice, aka they want to transact through you. So it's uh yeah, I mean, I'm a huge believer. I tell all my clients this all the time. I'm like, guys, you are wildly successful at whatever you do. It might not be real estate, but like you're not a dumb person by any means. You can take the data that I provide you, you can take the apartments that I show you or the houses that I show you. You can take my opinion and you're going to make your own decision. Like, I'm not going to make this decision for you. I will tell you my opinion, but you're ultimately going to come to it on your own. And if you just calmly deliver all that information, give them everything that they really like want out of the transaction, that is your job, right? 
you're not you're just you're just like a facilitator and after that yeah yeah i i I love it they're just they're craving good information trustworthy information so they could make an intelligent decision Mm -hmm. and you know what when when you're a buyer and you're a seller you're going to want the exact same thing the major thing that shifted as I've gotten further along in my career that's just allowed me to strengthen that in a serious way is just like access and contacts because right. you do now need to be a good broker. You need to be connected to every single piece of it, right? You need to have the off-market things. You need to know who controls the debt on a new development. You need to know who built something. You need to know like what the air conditioning system is in a, in a building and who can service it and who built it. And like, you need to know everything you need to know, like what the politicians are doing with the local laws and how it's going to affect you and the taxes and everything, which is all stuff I learned in the past five years, but that helps too, right. That helps like in a very significant way. Yeah. Th- there is a wide, wide array of knowledge that needs to be yeah. learned in this specific market. It's kind of crazy. Um, it is. And it takes it takes years to do it. And and usually those that that do it and learn it and um, translate that to good service to their clients, usually that results in referral business. Right. And that's that's it's all relationships and referrals. And that's, that's the game. That's the game. It's a simple game. Plan. Yeah. We're out of time. John, you got any more questions for Ian? Oh, that was that was awesome stuff, Ian. Thank you. Yeah, we try to keep it tight and short here. But you know what? You, you pack the punch here, Ian. Um, it, this was it, loaded with information. A pleasure. I love you guys so much. I have to give them a plug because I <laughs> I have them give me my data every single week and it is the best data. I have been through four different people now. So that is my plug to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We accept plugs and we appreciate that, Ian. And it's it's a pleasure to watch you grow your business. Um, I mean, I've 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 met you years ago, but I have seen yeah. you grow your business in real time. It's 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 a thing of beauty. So thank you for sharing some thoughts. Hopefully agents found some nuggets of information here. That is Ian Slater over at Trobe by Compass. That is John Walker. I am Noah Rosenblatt. And this has been Talking Manhattan. And we will catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody.